<laughs> All right, we're looking at a um, series of messages uh, we're in. Okay, let me back up. <laughs> I got twisted up there. It happens. We're in a message series where we're looking at how the Bible helps us get untangled across the board in life. That, that's an example of how uh, we can get easily tangled up by the decisions we make today financially for our future. Uh, and that's true in every part of our lives. We, we are particularly looking today at how God wants to help us live each day planting the right things for the future. When, when you decide to follow Christ, um, God promises to help you fulfill his purpose in every area of your life as you continue to follow him. And I, I want to make sure that we've got something straight today as, as we move forward, because it's, it's easy to get the idea that Christianity doesn't work because you have maybe made a decision. When you first come to Christ, these are sort of float along and you're kind of cruising along. It's exciting. It's new. There's, there's a lot of things happening. You're beginning to change, see new perspectives, and, and things are going on. And so it's easy to sort of float along on a honeymoon kind of stage for a while. And I want you to understand something today as we dig into the Scripture that's crucial about the way God works. And we're going to dig into that in a moment, but we tend to think sometimes as, as we come to Christ or as you're watching people who come to Christ, they, they go, it, things are great for a while. They've changed, things are different, and then all of a sudden, they crash and burn. And it's easy to draw the conclusion that it doesn't work. You know, here they've, they've given their life to God, they've done this, and, and today we're going to look at something that's very important to understand that we need to learn how to cooperate with God to experience the life that he's promised. When I was a child, I'm going to tell you, you ever have, you got things in your background where you think about what you did and you cringe? I'm going to tell you one of those things about my childhood that, that makes me cringe, because I do think it has a point. But I, I, when I was a child, I was the youngest, and I expected a lot out of the people around me, let's put it that way, mild, to put it mildly, and I was... I would lay on the couch, and in my day, we had a TV, but we didn't have a remote control. So I would lay on the couch, and I would yell, Mom! Mom! Quick! Oh! Mom! And, and she would come into the room, and I'd say, Can you turn the channel? Oh, that, sorry, I did that. It makes me cringe. And she would turn the channel. <laughs> and so I share that with you to let you know where I'm coming from. Because my understanding, and I think a lot of us, we, we think that when we come to Christ, that he's just going to zap us and make it all better. But that's not the way it works. We're going to learn how it works today, and we're going to get some important things out of the Scripture. He wants to make things good. He wants to bless us. God stands ready to bless people. And that word bless means things are good. Life is going well. And he wants to bless us in our families, our work, our ministries, our friendships, our, our finances. He wants to bless us. That's his heart. But we're going to draw some lessons out of the history of ancient Israel to help us really learn 
how this all works together. We can see clearly from what we're going to look at in the, in the history of Israel that our promised future unfolds as we exercise faith and obedience today. There are two major factors in untangling our future. Faith and obedience. First, let's look at the faith factor. Here are the Lord's instructions to Joshua as he was camped with the the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, um, on the edge of the land that that God had promised to give them years earlier. This is the instructions he gives. Be strong. This is the Lord talking to Joshua. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to your forefathers to give them. Now, let's hit the pause button real quick. I want to go back to the, I want to look at the backstory to this comment. He swore to give Joshua's forefathers this land. Now, me being the guy on the couch yelling for my mom to change the channel, I'm thinking, he gives us the land, he hands the keys to us, we take it over. You know, that's, that's what that means. But that's not at all what it means, we find out. Here's the back story. It's going to teach us something very important about the way God works in our lives. The original promise came to Abram, and you can find it in Genesis 12:7. This promise was given in the 1900s B.C. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. Now the way I'm thinking, hey, my kids are going to get this land. My immediate offspring right here. We're going to enjoy this. I'm thinking, he promised this land, take me to the promised land right now. Let's do this. Give it to me now. There were other promises God made to Abraham, and over time he fulfilled every one. God's faithful. He does that. Now, fast forward 400 years later. Abraham's offspring are all slaves in the land of Egypt. They've been slaves for 400 years. Okay, this is about, let me think, this is about 500 years later. This is in the 1400s B.C., so that was the 1900s. So fast forward, they've been slaves in the land of Egypt for 400 years. And God takes Moses and he puts him in an amazing... Through an amazing chain of events, he puts him in the palace of the Pharaoh in just the position he would need to be to lead the children of Israel, the people of Israel, out of the land of Egypt and out of slavery. So 400 years of slavery, 500 years after the original promise, God does this. He takes Moses, he leads them out of slavery. They're in the wilderness, perched on the edge of the promised land. Moses isn't going to take them into the promised land. Somebody else is. But he sends 12 spies into the land to look it over and to give them a report. They need to get the lay of the land. They need to survey the land, try to figure out what it's like, come back, give a report, so that they can uh, you know, decide how they're going to move in to the land and deal with the, the people that are there. The, the spies who came back, 10 of them gave this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit, and this is just amazing produce in this land. It's a very fertile land. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. 
We even saw descendants of Anak there. Anak, these are a giant kind of people. Uh, the Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. So you see what they've done. They've gone to survey. They say, these people live here, they're here, they're here. Because if you're going to go in to take a land, if you're going to battle, you need to know where the people are stationed so that you know what you're up against. So they go across, they, they lay out the the land. The report is good. It's it's choice land, but there, there are going to be some obstacles to overcome to claim this promise that God gives. Now, here, here's the... Here's the thing we need to catch. This is the way God God works. This is his way. God's people must step out to claim what God has promised them. This is God's way. He promises good to those who love and follow him, but we have to learn to cooperate with him in order to claim the promise he plans to give us. This is the way it is. This is why people get tangled up. Oh, it doesn't work. God works through the people who will continue to follow him. They follow and they continue to follow him. Back to the spies. Here's what 10 of the 12 guys said. That the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living it. Now they're making up stories. Yeah, they came out alive. It didn't devour them. But they're, hey, the land, it devours the people who live in it. All the people we saw are of great size. My impression is an army of Schwarzeneggers coming right at you. you, know, you these people are huge. <laughs> you know, and, and so they're, they're blowing it up. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. Giant people. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Have you ever blown up a challenge in your mind? You're facing adversity, you're dealing with a challenge, you're handling a problem. Something's not going right, and it just sort of swells in your mind and becomes larger than it really is. That, that's, that's part of what's happening here. To say the least, they are shrinking back in fear from the challenge that God has given them. The thing he's asked them to do. And these men, as they realize this is going to take some effort on my part, they shrink back. <laughs> it's, just, it's good land, but it's going to be next to impossible to claim it. To, to experience the promise that God has for us is going to be tough. So these guys are reeling. They were probably like I was on the couch trying to get their mom to change the remote control. The other two guys, Joshua and Caleb, they were also among those who explored the land. Numbers 14.6 says, When they heard the report, what these other guys had said, they tore their clothes because they were shuddering at how wimpy those ten guys were being. They were shuddering at their lack of faith. And they said this, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. So these guys say we can do this with God's help. If we please him in the way we go about it, 
We only need to step out trusting Him and pleasing Him in the way we do this and in what we do. That's an interesting take on an impending battle, isn't it? We don't naturally factor in the spiritual dimension to major parts of our life. It makes sense in ministry, at church, all that, it's spiritual stuff. So. But there is a spiritual dimension to every part of our lives that determines to a great degree what our future is going to be like. You may need to get your hands around your finances right now. There's a spiritual dimension to that. Parenting. Marriage. Um, friendships. Work. All of these areas of our lives have a spiritual aspect to it. And God wants to help you and I untangle our future. He wants to help us get untangled But you have to set your heart to trust Him and please Him in the way that you respond to the flow of life, to the situation that you're facing. And as you please Him, He can do more than you can imagine. Those ten guys can't imagine winning a battle against those people. The cities are fortified. They're going to have to scale the walls. They're going to have to take the... this This is a tough assignment. They can't imagine God doing that through them. The other two guys... They know God can do this if he wants, and they trust him. He can do more than you can imagine with his help. You, you handle life in faith by asking for his help and setting out to please him. Faith is a major factor as, as you move toward your future. It's a major factor. Second major factor is, is obedience. Careful obedience is crucial. If, if you don't really trust God, there's no way you're going to obey him. But the Lord's, Lord lays out keys to claiming his promises, the promised future in Joshua 1, 7, and 9. Now, I find these to be very interesting ba- uh, marching orders to an army that he gives to the commander of the army, Joshua. This is what he says. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. God's word, the scripture, Soaking it in and doing it is a key to their future. We tend to think, I tend to think, all right, God bless me. Bring it on. Give it to me. I'm ready. Hand me to the keys to this promise. But what God says is, set your heart to follow me. Find out what pleases me in each and every situation. Do it. And I will unfold a future that you can enjoy. But we have to make the effort to do that. The promise is that you'll be prosper and successful. The word prosper in the Hebrew language that this was originally written in means literally to push forward, to make the right kind of progress in an area. The word successful means intelligent or circumspect. So what he's saying is, get into the Bible 
learn it, soak it in, and then try to do it, and you're going to grow prosperous. You're going to make progress in the areas of your life where you're learning and growing and understanding more about God and the way he works. You're also going to be successful. Circumspect is a word that means that you're considering all the consequences and all the contingencies and all the circumstances around what you're dealing with. There is no way that you and I, as we're in the middle of our circumstances, can see what we gain from the Scripture. It gives us an aerial view of how life works, how God works. It really helps us to to see the challenges and life itself from every angle that we need to see it from. Um, So to prosper and be successful, uh, we we need to do three things. The law is not to depart from our mouth. That means we keep talking about it. It should always be on our lips. We're to talk about it. We're to meditate on it, which means to think about it. And... We're to do everything written in it. The Bible gives us vital perspective for building a good future with God's help. It's, it's really up to us as to how much we experience God's goodness in our lives. As, and it depends on how we respond to him and what he's shown us to do in his word. And this is where the strength and courage to do right come from, getting in the scripture, soaking it in, letting it build you up, beginning to gain understanding and watching God work as you follow him, as you obey him. So faith and obedience are key to untangling our future. With all of this in mind, I want to look at how to do that, how to untangle your future. It's, it's untangled step by step as you walk in faith and obedience to him. You, you get untangled by untangling one knot at a time. I, I'm a horrible fisherman, and you know I, I haven't fished very much. I'm a city person, but I like to fish, and I've gone fishing several times, and you know tried to throw the thing out there and reel it in, reel it in. You know, the thing gets all snarled up in knots at times, and and you have to stop, and it's agonizing because you could have your line in the water, you'd be catching fish, but you got to stop. And you've got to untangle it. The only way to do it is one knot at a time. It's the only way to untangle fishing lines. It's the only way to untangle our problems. One knot at a time as we walk in faith and, and obedience. And here are some, some key things that we need to be doing to untangle our life. First of all, soak in God's word. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. We think about the things we love and value, and we're to learn to love God's word and value it and think about it, soak it in and mull over it. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, he prospers. He pushes forward. He makes the right kind of progress in every area of his life as, as he soaks in God's word. But the first thing you have to do is what? You have to reject the bad perspective and advice from the wrong people. You have to reject 
the um, wrong counsel and guidance. Don't put yourself in a position where you're soaking up bad perspectives and advice. Your heart friends, the ones that you share life with, you really connect with, and you, you, they're the ones you call and talk to or text, and, you know, hey, this is going on, this is what's happening. The people that you're tied to and connected to that way, they have a tremendous amount of impact on your future because they're the ones you're thinking about as you make the choices right here and now. You're thinking, I wonder what they would think about. Boy, I can't wait to tell them what happened here. This is fantastic. And you're wanting to hear their... What, what this passage is saying is, if you want to be like a tree planted in streams of water, you, you, by streams of water and bear the right kind of fruit, you have to remove yourself from that kind of perspective and advice. You, you don't put yourself in a position to be soaking that up. Some of the things that you get tangled up in are going to take time to untangle. And, and you may need to not only reject the bad perspective and advice and get out of the way of that, but you also may need to go to somebody who's more mature in the Lord, who's walked with him for a while, and get their perspective. But that's what you need to do, first thing. Second, we delight in God's word and we meditate on it. The word meditate means to mutter. You ever mutter to yourself? You know, talk under your breath. Well, the word meditate means to mutter, and you're to do it day and night. Same thing was said in Joshua 1, 6 through 8. We mutter it. You, you speak the word of God under your breath all day long as you're handling different situations. You're reminding yourself. You're trying to remember it, and you're talking about it, and you're, think, you're sort of thinking out loud. That's what it means to meditate. This is what God said about this. What does that mean? What is that? And you're reminding yourself about what God said so that you can do it. You're trying to remember it so that you can do everything that's written in it. That's the kind of effort that it takes to really experience God's blessing and the life that he wants. When we do this, we prosper. And, and we bear the fruit or we experience the outcomes that, first of all, please God and bring his blessing into our life. The idea of that passage is like, in its season, the, the tree, the fruit tree, is overloaded with fruit. But it only comes by rejecting the wrong counsel and soaking in God's perspective that he gives us in his word. Second, sow righteousness. Life is like farming. You are planting your future today. This is a very strong word in Galatians 6, 7 through 8. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please the sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. God has built a harvest factor into every part of life, and it's the way life works. What you are planting today will grow into your future, good or bad. So we need to sow righteousness. When you sow to the sinful nature, it says you, you reap destruction. When you sow, in other words, when you sow to please yourself, when you sow using your old strategies, your old ways, depending on yourself, not trusting God, you're planting a problem-filled future. 
This is true at home. It's true in parenting, in marriage, work, finances, friendships, across the board in life. When you sow righteousness, doing right before God and pleasing the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. Now, here's the perspective of the Bible. Eternal life, when it talks about eternal life in the New Testament, it's not just talking about heaven. That's part of it. But the idea when it talks about we'll reap eternal life, the idea is that eternal life that we're promised in the future begins to invade. The quality of life that we're going to experience in heaven begins to make its way into our lives today. And we begin to experience an eternal quality of life. The kind of life that we're going to enjoy later on, we experience it now. And it's the Bible that shows you what to plant. In other words, as you're handling your finances, your family relationships, your friendships, um, your work, your ministry, as you're handling these things, here's the number one question. What is right before God? What pleases Him? That's righteousness. That's what I mean by so righteousness. That's the question that you should be asking. Not what's going to please myself, not how can I get what I want, but what is right before God here? If you'll keep asking that question and keep doing it, you're going to be planting for a good future. I was reviewing some verses this morning. I reviewed three verses in Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. This is just an example. This isn't in your outline, but it's an example of how the Scripture shows us what to do to plant the right things for the future. Proverbs 29.1 says, He who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. So what do we need to do today? We need to learn from the reproofs that we're experiencing. God has designed life to be a laboratory. And we're to learn from the things, the pressure points, and the the problems that we keep having and needing to unravel over and over again, and the things we keep experiencing. God intends those to be reproofs. He wants to correct us. He uses his word to show us what's going on and correct us. But if you refuse those rebukes, And maybe he uses a friend or or someone else or his word or whatever he uses. Today, I need to listen to those. I need to quit being proud, humble myself, and receive what God's saying to me through life, through my friends, through his word, whatever it is. Proverbs 29.11 says, A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man quietly holds it back. We say in our world... It's good to vent. You just need to vent it sometimes. But a fool is the one who does that, who just lets it rip. Because what happens? You ruin relationships. You're planting dynamite into your future by giving full vent to your anger. It's not wise. Proverbs 29.25 says, Fear a man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Fear a man if, if you're afraid of people. In other words, you're, you're setting your heart to please the people around you over God. Then you're setting a trap for yourself. You're, you're setting a snare. Your future is, you're, you're gonna, there's going to be a snag in your future. Maybe your near future. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to do what he wants. I'm going to sow righteousness right here today. And I'm going to trust him to to unfold the future he has for me. 
We trust him, whatever it is. The Bible shows you what to plant as you sow righteousness. Then finally, show diligence in handling the word of God. Hebrews 6, 11, and 12 says, We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end. Nobody can do this for you. Each one of us has to show this diligence. You have to get into the Bible for yourself. I can't do it for you. This isn't enough. God wants you to dig in and pull and listen to him as he speaks and pull things out of it that are very helpful for your lives. And if you'll be faithful to get into it and ask God to speak to you and learn how to understand it and handle it, he, it's amazing. He speaks to you. He, he bursts open your perspective on the, the very things that you're dealing with right here and now. He works with you in these. So we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what was promised. You see the effort involved in inheriting the promises. He doesn't just give us the key and take, take over. God wants us to learn from him as we set out to experience the life that he wants us to. The word lazy in this passage, it was originally written in Greek, it it literally means, uh, well, it means lazy, but it means sort of to get yourself in, into a stupor where you're being stupid, you're dull of hearing. This In Hebrews 5.11, a passage before this one, it says, About this we have much to say since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers of the word, you, you, you have to learn the first principles of God's word. Again, you're a baby. You haven't grown any. You're not learning to handle the word. You're not learning to do it. And you're not, you're not taking it seriously. You become dull of hearing. That's, that's the idea. So if you're lazy in your approach to the Bible, then you lack confidence about your future and you're not planting the right things that will grow into a good future. That's how you untangle it. You start planting the right things. There's a passage in Proverbs 24 that you may want to read, but it's talking about uh, a sluggard. And this sluggard, this, the man who wrote the passage said he passed by the house of a sluggard. It was overgrown. The yard was all a mess. It was overgrown with thorns. The grass had weeds in it. Um, the, the wall was broken down. It hadn't been fixed. The whole place was in ill repair. And he says, I applied my heart to what I observed, and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and scarcity like an armed man. The idea is, if you're slack in your work, poverty is in your future. That is true in... Our physical life, it's true in our spiritual life as well. If you're slack in the way you handle God's word, if you're slack in the way you approach it, you're heading toward a problem-filled future. Show diligence in the way you handle the Bible. Set your heart to learn. Here's a verse that sharpens my focus many days as I quote this to myself. Second Chronicles 31.21 and every work that he undertook in the service of the house of God and in accordance with the law and commandments seeking his God, he did with all his heart 
and prosper. This is talking about King Hezekiah. And it says what I try to do and what brings prosperity. It brings God's goodness to us. And it, well, God's good to us in spite of what we do, but it, it, it brings a good future. As we learn God's word, we set out to, to do what we do in accordance with his word, seeking him, doing it with all our heart. Now, I don't know what you have to do tomorrow at work, or maybe you go to work later today. But if you'll set your heart to figure out how God wants you to approach your work, how he wants you to do things, you'll seek him in it, you'll do it with all your heart, you will begin to make progress. You will push forward at work. That applies to every area of your life. You just sit and you you learn from God. You soak it in. You let him show you how to handle the conflict, how to handle your finances. How God, what do you want here? What is right before you? What pleases you? Because if we please the Lord, we're going to take the land. If we please him, we're going to experience the life he's promised. If we don't, we're not. That, that's the way it works. God is very gracious, very patient, forbearing. And I'm grateful for that. But this is what he's built into the way life works. We, we untangle our future by planting the right things today. We're going to be receiving our offering in a few moments. And uh, I'd like to let you know about a couple of things that are coming up as we wrap up here. Um, Discovering Spiritual Maturity, our class 201, is coming up. And uh, 201 is for those who've completed and signed the covenant in 101. But it, it specifically helps you get a grip on the Bible and some other habits that you need in order to grow spiritually. Um, this seminar isn't going to change you, but it's going to help you figure out, find out what the habits are so that you can grow in your your walk with the Lord. You get in shape physically by dropping some habits and by adding some good habits, dropping bad ones, adding good ones. It's the same spiritually. You get in shape by saying no to the wrong habits, the bad habits, and developing some good habits. This class teaches you the good habits. So if you haven't been to 201, I'd encourage you to go. Uh, We have a men's conference coming up this Saturday. Uh, October 23rd, 9 to 4.30, $25. There's more information on it at, at, outside in the lobby on the table to the left right when you walk out the doors. So this is our last opportunity to sign up. I encourage you to do that. And I'd like to say thanks to those who served the city of Monterey Park uh, yesterday. That, uh, that sows righteousness because we have mission projects that are going on at different times. We're serving cities and serving uh, nonprofit organizations that are trying to help people who are in need and, and needy. And uh, I want to thank you for your service tomorrow. That, that helps to give God a really good reputation, and it, it, it helps to sow the righteousness that uh, God can use for his purpose as we go along. So thanks for your work there. Uh, here's some next steps that you might want to take as a result of the message here in the Word this morning. You can memorize Joshua 1.8. Good passage to memorize, to remind yourself of what that says and the key to unlocking the future God promises. Uh, Second, read Psalm 1, 1 through 3, and write down the steps you need to take in order to apply that passage, to do that passage. 
And then secondly, pray and ask God to show you things that are tangling up your future. And then begin to work, tie, untying the knot. It's going to take as long to get out of the problem, usually, as it took to get into it. And God can do more than you can imagine as you trust him. But that's what I would expect. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word that guides us. We thank you for you that <clears throat> speaks through it over and over again. You, you bring things to mind. You share perspective that we need. And you help us to really understand um, how life works. And I pray that you, you would help us not to lean on our own understanding, but to lean on you. To gain understanding of how you've made life to work and to live in line with that and experience your, what, what you want us to experience in the here and now. God, thank you for what you've done in giving your son Jesus Christ to pay for our sin, to give eternal life. And thank you that you want us to experience that life now. Help us to do that as we take the steps to follow you this week. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.